often motivated by stories of people who overcome. In 1938, there was a man who was on the Hungarian shooter team. He was also a sergeant in the army of, of Hungary. His name was Karoly Tukács. But in that role as sergeant in the army of the Hungarian army, he lost his right hand. He was right-handed when a grenade exploded. Ten years later, Karoly Tukács won the gold medal in shooting in the Olympics. And also did in 1952 because he learned to shoot left-handed. Just a few years prior to that, there was another younger man who had a problem as a boy. He couldn't read. In fact, he couldn't read until he was 10. But he wanted to. He wanted desperately to learn. And he did. In fact, he learned to read so well that he became the 13th president of Princeton University. But you know him better as the 28th president of the United States, Woodrow Wilson. When we read those stories of people who want to do something very well and will do whatever it takes, what we're really reading about are stories of priority. What is it that I most want? And what am I willing to give up in order to reach that priority? And what am I willing to put near the top of my life to make sure that I reach that goal? You might find it interesting that before about 1900, the plural word priorities was almost non-existent in print. You, you can find it, but it's very, very rare. The singular word priority is all over the place. And that makes sense when we consider what the word originally meant. Our word priority came from a Latin term that originally just meant something that came before something else in order of time. But as we usually use it, it came to mean to put something before something else by way of effort or way of drive or emphasis. And it's really hard to have more than one of those. It's really hard to have priorities. But we can have a priority with other priorities that help to uphold that one. Jesus is our perfect example even in that. The verse was actually mentioned before the Lord's Supper this morning when Jesus died on the cross and said, it is finished. What's, what's the it? Well, there's a lot of things, really. But one of the things certainly that was finished was the fact that Jesus had as His goal to come and complete the work that God had given Him to do and He had done that. How? You know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and their accounts of the Gospel tell us a lot about just the day-in, day-out life of Jesus and how he, how he dealt with various things. But one thing that's always the case is there's always a singular focus on accomplishing the will of God, glorifying God in all ways. But in the text we read a few minutes ago from Mark chapter 1, 35-39, there are a couple of higher priorities that help to uphold that singular highest priority. But before we get to those... I want you to notice something in this that's not in this text. Because in the verses we read from 35 through 39, you have in verse 37 the fact the apostles find Jesus and they say, everybody's looking for you. And you may remember in the text that Noah preached from last week, or earlier in Mark chapter 1, in verse 34 and verse 35, you have reference to 
a whole lot of people. Whole cities. Jesus was healing many. And now in verse 37, everybody's looking for you, Jesus. And in this whole paragraph, from verse 35 through verse 39, never do you have Jesus saying, that's why I came. I came to draw a crowd. I came to be the center of attention. Now Jesus was not against a crowd. He fed 5,000 people on one occasion. He fed 4,000 people on another occasion. We don't know how many people were there at the Sermon on the Mount. We, we know it. At one point, you recall, that so many people around Jesus, they had to teach from a boat because they were basically pushing Him off, off the land. So He wasn't against the crowd. That's not what I'm saying. But Jesus' primary goal in life was not to say, I'm the center of attention. Let's have huge crowds thronged to me. That's, that's just not it. His goal was to accomplish the will of God. And in this text, Mark 1, 35-39, there are two priorities of Jesus that show how He did that. They're not everything. But they were right near the top of the list. And I want to suggest to you this morning that these two priorities are also things that if we are going to do the thing we are here for, that is to glorify God, that they need to be very high on our list as well. First of all, there is communion with the Father. A whole lot has been made in Mark 1 verse 35, about the time of day. It wasn't just morning. It wasn't just early morning. It was very early in the morning. And I know some of you think that noon is very early in the morning, but just in case that's you, Mark makes sure to fill in while it was still dark outside. By the way, if you read from Luke's account in Luke chapter 4 and verse 42, Luke adds a little bit to the picture of it by saying, basically, I'm paraphrasing, basically the first light of day was being to break over the, the hilltop, the, the, the horizon. You can just see the picture. Now, Jesus wasn't there to set an example. I'm not saying that you have to get up before the crack of dawn or be faithful. That's not it. But Jesus did something at a time that would have been inconvenient to a lot of people. That's His point, Mark's point. And then Mark goes farther to tell us that Jesus departed and went to a desolate place. Well, first of all, where, he, where did He depart from? Well, He was staying in Peter's house. And way back up in verse 21, we're told that was in the city of Capernaum. And so He departed Peter's house, He departed the city, and He went out to an alone place. The King James Version has the word solitary. I kind of like that. He went to a place where He could be by Himself. And again, I'm not saying that you have to be by yourself in order to praise God. Jesus was often in crowds. Faithful people throughout the centuries have often been in crowds or in small groups. That's not the point. But the point is that Jesus realized that there are times in our life where we need to do things that are a little bit inconvenient and where we can really be alone in order to do exactly what Jesus did in this text. There He prayed. The word that's translated prayed in that verse, as you see on the screens, I hope, basically is a word that is a very generic, general, common Greek word for prayer. One New Testament writer, scholar, says that this word encompasses all that is found in the realm of prayer. And then he lists things like thanks and asking and requesting specific things. You could add to that list. Things like praise. I think that's important for us that Mark used a word here that is generic enough that we can picture Jesus doing anything that we might do in prayer and it could possibly be an accurate picture. Maybe Jesus was praising God. Maybe Jesus was disturbed by something. Maybe Jesus was 
was asking for things. Maybe Jesus was offering thanks. Maybe it was some combination of all of those. We don't know. We don't have the text of the prayer. But whatever it was, it could be found under that umbrella, if you will, of what it means to pray to God. But to get away and to do something a little bit inconvenient in order to have that time, that's why we're choosing the word communion with the Father. There's nothing wrong with at times just sort of doing a quick check-in with God. So, sometimes we're at a place maybe at work, maybe around our family, maybe just a, a difficult time in life. And I use this term in the best way I know how, where quote-unquote the best we can do is a quick check-in with God. A quick word of thanks or a quick request. That's understandable. But when you read that command that Paul gave in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 to pray without ceasing, that also gives a beautiful picture. There needs to be some times where I commune with God. Where I maybe do something that's a little bit inconvenient. Or maybe I do something that's hard for other people to understand. Or maybe I do get away. Where it doesn't matter what I say, it doesn't matter how I say it, I am pouring out my heart before my Father. How is it that Jesus could say, stay so focused on His singular goal of glorifying God? Part of the reason is He stayed that close to His Father. And that happens when we commune with the Father. We sometimes sing that song, How long has it been since you talked with the Lord and told Him your heart's hidden secrets? That's a hard song for me to sing sometimes because sometimes I don't like the answers that I have to give to the questions of that song. Maybe I need to read that song instead of questions as reminders. It doesn't need to be very long since I talked to the Lord and told my heart, heart's hidden secrets and on, on and on through the song. But when we sing that song, you ever notice one question we ask near the, near the end of the chorus? Can you call Him your friend? How long has it been since you knew that He cared for you? I think it's a brilliant line in that song. Because when I'm willing to tell God anything and everything, that's how you speak to a friend. Jesus understood that. And He set the example for us in that. But He also could have that high priority through communication of the Word. They find Jesus, or Jesus comes near to them, or whatever it happens to be. And they tell Him in verse 37, you may paraphrase, man, everybody's looking for you. <laughs> you, can almost, you can almost, you know, understand me put an extra line there in your Bible. Like, Where'd you go? <laughs> what are you doing out here? Everybody's looking for you. And Jesus gives a very, very curious answer when they tell Him everybody's looking for you. He doesn't say, great, let's go back to Capernaum where all the crowds are, where everybody's looking for Me. No. Instead, Jesus says, let's go to the next towns that I can preach there. And that's because that's why I came. That's an interesting answer, isn't it? There would have been nothing wrong with Jesus saying, let's go back to Capernaum. I've got some unfinished business there. I've got some more lessons. That's fine. But Jesus said, I came 
to preach and not just preach in this one location where it seems like he was getting a fairly good, if you please, response or response to him. But I came to this area. I came to this region. These other towns, they need to hear the truth as well. I came to preach. The word translated preach, caruso, we've already mentioned in the book of Mark. It's found in this book several times. It's, it's the word I mentioned before that means to herald a message with authority. And that concept bookends, in a lot of ways, the whole gospel according to Mark. Because Jesus would preach, John the Baptist would preach to open the book. Jesus would preach, and now Jesus says in this latter part of Mark chapter 1, this is why I came. I came to herald a message of great authority. And you go all the way near the end of the book of Mark, in Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16, a passage we know quite well, where Jesus gives the Great Commission. Go and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. What's the word proclaim? Keteruso, the same word. What's my point? The very thing that Jesus said is the reason He came in Mark chapter 1 is what He sent His people out to do in Mark chapter 16. It's not that His people were going to be the authority. It's that they had a message of authority from the One who gave the authority, who is the authority, is a better way to say it. It bookends the entire book of Mark to herald a message of authority. A generation later, Paul would write in Romans chapter 10 and verse 14, that series of questions, how will they believe in one they've never heard of? And he ends that series of questions with, how will they hear if no one preaches to them? Guess what word Paul used? Keruso. How will they hear if no one heralds a message of authority to them? Do I take that that seriously? You say, well, you better. You're, you're a preacher. You're paid to do this. Jesus didn't give the Great Commission just to preachers. Paul didn't write Romans chapter 10 just to preachers. Everyone who is a disciple of Jesus Christ is to herald a message of authority. Again, not that we are the authority, not that I am the authority, but we have a message of authority. And that's what the world needs to hear. When Jesus said, that's why I came to this area was to preach, to herald a message of authority, He was setting down an example for us to follow. That wherever I go, whatever conversation I might be in, whether it's in person or online or through a letter or anything else, I may not quote-unquote preach a sermon, but I've got something to say for God. I've got something to say for Jesus. And that needs to be why, ultimately, we communicate with people. It needs to be why, ultimately, we go to places. It needs to be why, ultimately, we utilize technologies and other things. is to preach the message of authority. How could Jesus stay so close to His Father? He stayed close to the message of the Father. And nothing was going to waver Him from that, move Him from that. And that needs to be the way it is for you and I as well. You think about that shooter in 1938 and how just a decade later and then 14 years later, he was able to, to win one of the highest awards in all of the world of sport. And Olympic gold medal is kind of hard to top because you're not just the best in your country, you're the best in the world at something. 
at that very moment. You are the best in the world at that particular thing. And so the world gives you applause and the world puts a gold medal around your neck. You think of that young boy who couldn't read but wanted to. And he ended up using the, the talent that he gave, the ability that he gained through that effort to become one of, if not the most influential people in the world at his time. The President of the United States at any time is for sure on a very short list of the most influential people in the entire world. And the world looks up to that level of, of power and influence. And what do they have to say? Whether they agree or disagree, they want to hear, what does this person believe? What are they putting forward as, as ideas for the world? And the world just looks at that. When you and I prioritize being more like Jesus, when you and I have as our highest priority glorifying God, we may never have a gold medal around our neck. But we're promised a crown of thorns. Crown of, crown of glory. When you and I prioritize looking to Jesus, and when you and I prioritize glorifying God, we may never be a person of great worldwide influence. But we're promised that we'll be before the throne of God for all eternity. And the question becomes, how do we do that? Do I, do I have the same priorities as Jesus did? Ultimately, that slide really should be changed. I should have changed it since I made it. To, do I have the same priority as Jesus? It is finished. I have come to accomplish Your work. My meat is to do the will of My Father who sent Me to accomplish His work. That's all I'm going to do. I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. And everything else, including communing with the Father, including communicating the Word, everything else is meant to support that ultimate highest priority. Is that mine? My highest priority is to glorify God. Is to be like Jesus. How do you do that? You commune with the Father. And you obey and communicate His Word. There was an author and a preacher, same person, not two people, who went to visit a shepherd one time and had one question to ask the shepherd. They asked the shepherd, how does a sheep get lost? And without so much as even thinking about it, the shepherd responded, they nibble themselves lost. And we, he went on to explain, you see, they eat this tuft of grass and then this tuft of grass and then this tuft of grass and before you know it, they've nibbled themselves away from the flock and from the care of the ship. That can be me. And it doesn't have to be bad things. I mean, eating grass for a sheep is a good thing. It's how you stay alive. It could be work. It could be finances. It could be hobbies. Yes, it could be things that are sinful. 
but it could be things that are just of this life and normal and day-to-day -day activities. But I begin to think about this next thing and 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 very, very, very rapidly before I realize it, I don't look anything like the shepherd. I'm not near him anymore. How do I avoid doing that? I have the same priority the shepherd had. Glorify God and finish His work. Is that your priority this morning? Have you been living to that priority? If not, will you come? Always stand and sing to encourage you.